0: Hello and welcome to Full Contact Nerd, where we talk about fiction and storytelling in all its forms. From the weird to the fantastic, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, mysteries, anything you can ask for, we have it. I'm Chris Alvarez, and thank you for listening. I'm speaking with Brian Herskowitz, author of Process to Product. Um, This is part three of our series on uh, writing screenplays. Uh, today we'll be covering outlining. So thank you for speaking with me.
1: Oh, my pleasure.
0: Cool. So, um, so yeah, last time we spoke about structure and now, um, and now outlining. Tell me, uh, let's, you can kick it off.
2: Yeah.
1: So one of the first things that, you know, you often hear from young writers and old writers alike is, you know, some people love to outline. They really think that that helps them in the writing process and some don't. And so a lot of times I get the question, do you have to outline? And the short answer is no, you don't have to outline. Uh, having said that, however, uh, having done this for, you know, a long, long time, um, over the years with the hundreds, if not thousands of writers that I've worked with, that I've taught, um, I would say I've seen one or two outlines that were not good where the script was. And that's very telling. One of the things that happens often is you write an outline that is not particularly uh, detailed, that doesn't give you all of the the structural elements that you need, that doesn't really kind of speak to the story. And then there are holes in that outline that do not get fixed in the script. And for me, the outline is really uh, the brainstorming tool that I use to actually follow the path of the story the the hero's journey or the three act structure whatever structure I'm I'm utilizing and there are writers who are completely intuitive and they do not outline. Um, I think famously Stephen King is one mm-hmm. um, I think William Goldman uh, sort of claimed that he didn't outline but but it was very interesting talking with him I don't know if you know William Goldman was probably one of the superstars in screenwriting for many years. He yeah. wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. He wrote marathon man. Uh, he wrote the princess bride. He had a very wide range of genres and just a brilliant writer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, he would give, uh, you know, lectures and, and, uh, seminars. He was one of those writers who loved mentoring other, other writers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, there is a, a, a kind of apocryphal story that he was the mentor to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they wrote Goodwill Hunting.
2: Hmm.
1: And, uh, I, I know many people that he's personally taken under his wing. Hmm. And one of the things that he talked about is he said, you know, I don't outline, but as you talk to him a little bit further, he would t- talk about doing research. And how he would research a script for six months to a year before he wrote his first word and how he would put every scene down on a, on a note card and move those note cards around, and decide which scene went where. To me, that's, that's outline. Mm-hmm. It may not be your traditional, you know, down the page ABCD outline, but it's still an outline. Mm-hmm. And here's why I believe outlining is, is important. If you are not one of those just incredibly intuitive writers like a Stephen King or William Goldman, it's really easy to get lost in the woods, to get to a place where you're not sure where the characters are going, um, where you don't know how the story is going to progress and to get stuck. And I think writers often make mistakes when they do that. Um, one of the things that I try to do with process to product is try to, to instill a method that allowed you to outline Allowed you to write without feeling like you were being, uh, put into a a straight jacket. Um, I've, you know, I had the opposite experience with some writing gurus and with some books that really kind of talked about, okay, on page one, you've got to do something. On page seven, you got to do something. On page 14, you got to do something. And, and each element is exactly the same. And what happens with that is you end up with a very cookie cutter type of project. It doesn't have the, the same sort of divine intervention that you have when you're allowing, uh, kind of creativity to flow through you. So I wanted the both, the best of both worlds. So I wanted to set up a system where you could build an outline, have guideposts that tell you basically I've got to go from here to here and yet have freedom in how do you find that path? How does it, how does it go? How does it flow? So that's what I recommend for building an outline. And there are methods that I adhere to for myself that i i profess for others Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that's the best way that's just the best way i've found and for me it begins with and what we've talked about before those structural elements starting with you know what is my concept what is my theme what is my log line what's what's the core story about and then i take that and i put it into three major structural beats real simple the beginning the middle and the end Mm -hmm. once i have those three elements I know that, you know, if I'm doing a, a feature length screenplay, for example, and I'm going to have about a two hour window, give or take 15, 20 minutes that I'm going to write this screenplay for, I now have a uh, kind of a, a, a position to aim for. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to start, you know, at a certain place. I'm going to get to a certain place somewhere in the middle, and then I'm going to end at a certain place. That allows me to then take the next step, which is to create that beat sheet. Mm-hmm. That allows me to go from, okay, I, I know I'm going to go from point A to point B, but what are the 20 steps between those? How do I get from here to here to here? And then each one of those gets filled in. And one of the ways that I, I like to do that is I want to look at what are some of the structural elements that are common to most stories. Mm-hmm. Look at those common elements. Um, and I say, where do those land in this particular script? How do they, how do they, how do I get from there, the beginning to that first part? And for me, I've kind of identified those moments and I've left it, I think, with enough space for creativity. So, for example, um, you know, after you've established this is how my script begins, the question is, what are you trying to accomplish with that first beat? And generally, in modern screenwriting, that first beat is what's commonly known as a hook. hmm which is that element where you want the audience to go, oh, okay, I see what story we're in, I see what kind of story we're going to be here for, and I'm ready to take that journey. So, for example, if we're watching a James Bond film and he's in bed with a beautiful woman and he gets attacked by a Russian spy and he leaps out the window and he's got on a a parachute and he goes down the the mountain in the parachute and the Union Jack and lands in a boat and takes the boat and then he's chased by... A submarine and he blows that up and ends up you know going off into the distance that tells us what kind of a story we're going to be in mm-hmm. that gives us that that kind of pull into the world that we're about to see so that first moment generally is that hook um in the book i i used a couple of different examples but one of them is uh shrek which um as, as silly as it may sound, it's one of my favorite films in terms of the screenwriting, yeah. just because it's so beautifully structured and so beautifully crafted. Hmm. And the opening is, you know, that kind of funny, uh, profane opening where he's in, uh, on the crapper reading a fairy tale and then rips the pages off to use his toilet paper <laughs> and it goes into a montage that tells us exactly what the world is that we're going to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's not going to just be our average regular story, you know, from a fairy tale, but it's going to be something different that it's going to be a little bit, uh, a a little bit, uh, potty humor, a little bit crass, but it's going to be funny. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And once we know that that's the journey we're going to take If suddenly, uh, in James Bond, um, Shrek showed up, we'd, we'd be lost. We'd be going, well, wait a minute, wait a second, hold on. Why is there a cartoon character in the middle of this film? Mm -hmm. Um, and unless you've established that as this is my world, it doesn't work like that. Another one that does that beautifully is Roger Rabbit, where we start off with a cartoon universe. And it's what the cartoon universe that we understand and we know and we've seen a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly um, Roger makes a mistake and we find out that he's in a, a combination of live action and animated world. Mm-hmm. And we start to learn about that universe and what can and can't hurt. Um, the tunes so every film has that kind of hook that brings us into where are we what kind of story so the hook not only pulls us in and makes the audience have that what uh, the editors call the lean forward moment that moment of what happens next Mm -hmm. but it also starts to set a tone for what kind of story am i in and you want to do that pretty quickly you want to and, and you know, again, I'm not a real big believer in you have to do that in the first page, 10 pages, 20 pages. It takes as long as it takes, but you want to do it fairly quickly and succinctly. So that's the first beat that I look at and the first thing that I want to to impart to the audience. Because I'm always thinking, regardless of whether it's an outline, it's a, a log line, I'm thinking about what is the audience going to get? Um, you know, Stephen King in his book on writing talked about being uh, – psychic Mm -hmm. and astrally projecting into the future, an image that somebody in the future gets. Mm -hmm. And I always try and keep that in mind that I'm sending this, this image, this vision of what I've got in mind to somebody in the future. If I'm not clear, if I'm not specific, if I'm not, um, building a full world, they don't get the same picture that I'm sending. They Mm -hmm. get a partial picture. So I want to look at, you know, how, how are they receiving this information?
0: I'm speaking with Brian Herskowitz, author of Process to Product. You can find more information about his work at brianherskowitz.com. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can. Please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. You'll also find written interviews and my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at militaryhistorypodcast.com and technologyinspace.com. And now back to the podcast. So I was just going to, so the, it's interesting. So just thinking about the first scene, obviously it's part of the story, but the idea where it sets the tone, it's almost like it, it stands apart in a sense from the normal, you know, your beats and your emotional highs and lows throughout the rest of it. It's interesting well, actually, about this tone yeah, idea.
1: It doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can, but it doesn't have to. It can also just be, you know, we're starting with a particular person and, and their life and how they're going to move forward. But, you know, the thing that that a, that is different about film than other media is that you have a, a, a limited amount of time to impart your story mm-hmm. and you want the audience to have an experience. You don't want to see people just going through their everyday lives, although um, you can argue that there have been films that have done that and done it re- relatively successfully. Um, I think uh, uh, the film that was done over 12 years about the boy, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it may have been called A Boy's Life. Is that it? Um, but about a, a young man just growing up, and they, they shot it over twelve years, and each year the little you know scene of this kid's life, and you know there were things that happened, but it was basically a slice of life over twelve years, and, and the the kind of the hook and the conceit of it was we're showing actual growth of this this character over time, mm-hmm. and it's in real time, so that's a very interesting you know gimmick and concept, but. Generally, we, we don't like watching real life. Right. We don't want to watch, you know, paint dry. We don't want to watch people, you know, sitting at the kitchen table thinking about breakfast. You know, we, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. We want to see those moments of high drama, high comedy, uh, things that are different. You know, what is it that's different about this particular two hour segment of this person's life, whether it's epic like Gandhi or, you know, specific like I think there was a film called Nick of Time which was shot in, you know, supposedly 90 concurrent minutes or, or, uh, 24 hours is another one where, you know, each episode was an hour mm-hmm. and it was very heightened reality of pressure filled hour. It wasn't, it wasn't an hour of Jack, you know, sitting at home watching right. TV, right? Yeah. So those things you know, it depends. You, 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 as the writer, have that option to say, "I'm going to, I'm going to start with this event for this character that's part of the world that sets off this this story, and make that out of the gate what happens." But we often we want to learn about the characters, we want to learn about the world before we jump into the drama. And by drama, I don't mean just you know dramatic, like heavy. I mean comedy or whatever we're doing. I'm using drama with a capital D mm-hmm. that. You know, before we start getting into what is the crux of the story, we want a little, a little bit of where we are and, and what we're doing.
0: So what, right? what elements does an outline have that make it, at some point, you're going to be writing the screenplay, you know, like at what right. point where have you stopped outlining and what you're writing is really just a screenplay? You know, does the outline not have dialogue or right. snippets? You know, how does that work?
1: So I have, I have a kind of a theory and this, there's, this comes a little bit from television, because in television, um, I don't get paid without the outline. And if the outline isn't good, the producers can cut you off at that point. So I I learned in, in television that I better write a pretty good outline first time out. And my my concept for outlines that I try to teach is you want to write an outline that if I handed it off to you, Chris, you would write the same script that I would. Maybe not the same dialogue. Uh, you know, maybe have slightly different timbre, but it would basically essentially be the same script that I would write. So I want to be very specific in my outline. And the way I do that is I go through these beats, these moments that are essential to the story that I've determined are essential to the story. And then I want to fill in all the gaps. And I want every moment that happens on screen, every scene and every intention of that scene written down on a page now do you have to do that no of course not but again the more work you do in the outline the easier in my opinion writing the screenplay becomes because then you're really just focusing on the voice of the characters writing dialogue so i i think you spend you know as much time as you can on the outline the other thing is you and again this is you know my own philosophy you want to have Um, you know, some room for invention, for, you know, some, for, for divine intervention, for the ideas that come to you. You want to be able to have something occur to you that changes the story. And I suggest, you don't have to do this either, but I suggest that when you do that, you go back to the outline and you alter it in the outline. And the reason is sometimes you do a change in a script. You go, I'm, you know, I'm writing and I go, wait a minute, I don't want them to go that direction. I want to, I want to take him, right and not left. And I turn right. And then later on, I realized, oh, geez, you know what? When I turn right instead of left, that changed this, 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 and this moment. And I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't think ahead. And now I'm stuck. And I, you know, early in my career, um, I would do things like, you know, somebody would give me notes on a script and say, you know, I don't like that character, get rid of that character. And I would pull the character out but not follow through enough to make sure that they weren't in other scenes or that something they had done was critical to the story. And oftentimes you would do that and end up with a script that people say, well, who is this person that showed up, you know, on page 79 who isn't in the script? And I went, oh, no, I forgot to take her out of page 79. You know, that kind of thing. And you want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, if you are a kind of like a, a, a journeyman writer, if you're just a solid pro, I think it's important to know how to outline. It's not required. You know, you don't have to have, nobody's puts a gun to your head and says, okay, you got to outline before you write. But, um, again, some, some studios, some networks, they want to see an outline before you go to script. And if they don't like the outline, they say, thank you. They take it and they give it to another writer. So you don't want that to happen either. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I I did I, did we discuss we discussed a little bit the twelve uh, guideposts didn't we for structure yeah,
0: yeah you talked about it a little bit
1: yeah there the twelve guideposts that I put together are are the structural elements that I feel every script has mm-hmm. and uh, again I I try to leave them specific enough to where you understand how to how to go from A to B but vague enough to where if some inspiration comes to you you can then turn and, and adjust it. So for example, when I was talking earlier about when you're starting off with your outline, you know, the first thing you want to do is what's my hook. How do I bring the audience into, this is the kind of story you're going to be, you know, experiencing over the next hour and a half, two hours. Mm -hmm. But within that, the next elements and, and they don't there, it's not like, you know, this stops at that moment and now something else begins. This is more like a soup or, you know, you, you, you're making a, a dish and you're adding different spices as you need to, to create whatever flavors you want. Mm-hmm. So you start off with this, you know, this uh, spice of the opening and the hook. And then you add to that the world of the story. Where am I? What's the universe? You know, uh, is it is it a suburban America in 2020? Is it in the 1950s? Is it another planet? Is it a cartoon world? Is it a realistic world? Is it sci-fi? Is it horror? What is the world? So we start to define what the universe is, and who, where our main characters are moving in space and time, where they are, um, what kind of you know environment. If it's today in 2020, is it downtown New York? Is it um, suburban Los Angeles? Is it Chicago? Is it you know St. Louis? Each one is going to have its own flavor. Is it a farm? You know, is it rural America? Is it urban? Mm-hmm. And what what is your what is your view of that world is it dystopian is it you know violent is it idyllic what is that so you can put all those elements in and then you sprinkle in the next spice which is who who am i going to be watching over the next 2 hours is it going to be one character whose life i follow for the next 2 hours who has the issues and is going on the journey or is it a an ensemble piece where i've got you know, eight different characters and in four different couplings that are moving through space and time. That's, that's also in this, you know, kind of starting area. And all of that gets put together, defining the world and who the characters are that we're going to be involved with. And that leads to um, our first act break, or depending on on what your your philosophy is on structure, either the act break or the hero's journey, which is, now um there is an inciting incident, something happens that changes the direction of the story. So, you know, you you can look at uh um I was watching a movie last night called Maleficent, which uh Angeli Jolie, which uh didn't do very well actually, but was I thought a pretty good little movie mm-hmm. and little movie, hundred hundred and fifty <laughs> million dollars, but still for me that's a little movie.
0: I think um, it has a lot of fans, but go on.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, in that film, we start out with this very, you know, very imaginative, beautiful fairy land. And Angelique Jolie is a, as a young girl is this queen of the fairies. And, um, then she meets a human and they start to have kind of a, a flirtatious relationship. And then it gets to a point where he, um, he steals her, he steals her wings. Well, that's the act break that actually changes the story before that when he meets her for the first time, that is an inciting incident. And why the definition for me of an inciting incident is the first moment that I, I removed it from the story. The story doesn't go forward. So if he doesn't come into the forest and she doesn't meet him for the first time, the rest of the story does not happen the way it happened in any way, shape or form. Hmm. So you have to have that moment. Um, in Rocky, if, uh, if Apollo Creed's, you know, opponent didn't break his hand, you wouldn't have Rocky going forward, right. right? And then what is the act break? The act break actually puts them on a path. So now Rocky says, you know, he's told, hey, you can fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. And he goes, okay. And off he goes to train, to try and build up his... Uh, his stamina, to, you know, improve his boxing skills, to get Mickey on board, all the things that he does. Mm. And the same thing with uh, Maleficent. She, you know, curses a child. She, you know, then watches over the child so that she can take her revenge, and then she falls in love with the child. So those are all things that have to happen, uh, that happen after we have the break. And for her, it's when she is betrayed by this guy, he steals her wings, and by the way sorry about any spoilers but uh, it's an old film so yeah. um and that that actually changes her path she's our hero we're going to follow the world through her eyes mm-hmm. um not entirely but mostly through her eyes and we're going to we're going to uh, relate to her more than any other character so that brings us to the first act break so we've got there are already four elements we have the hook uh we have the uh, creating the world of the character and then introducing our main characters. Mm-hmm. And then we have an inciting incident, something that happens that is going to eventually change. It's the seed of the first act break. And then the first act break comes along that actually changes um the path that the character's on. It It takes them in a new direction. And that can be physical. It can be emotional. Uh, it just changes the story for them. They're going to head in another way. And then eventually, there has to be a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Something that they want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And in the best of storytelling, uh, the goal is kind of different from what the character wants or needs. So, mm-hmm. there's a let me let me rephrase that. There's a want that the character has. I'm I'm going to take revenge against this child. Mm-hmm. That that's what I want to do. This is maleficent again. Mm-hmm that's the goal. So everything the character does starting out is in, in response to that goal. I want to go from here to here. And what happens is as a writer, you have to put obstacles in the path of that goal. Otherwise it becomes too easy. The character just simply does what it is they want to do. Mm -hmm. And in really fine writing, what you find is that the character's desire is not the same as what they need. Mm -hmm. And going back to Maleficent again, um, that's exactly the case there. So she wants to take revenge against this king by destroying his life, basically murdering his daughter, putting her into a, a death-like sleep forever. But that's what she initially wants. Hmm. What she finds is that that's not. She needs to. She needs to return to her true nature, which is a kind and benevolent person. So she falls in love with this child. When she falls in love with the child, at each step that she falls in love with the child, each moment that takes her closer to that realization um, is an obstacle to what she wants. Because as she falls in love with the story, that literally blocks the idea of, I want to destroy this child. So those things are intimately connected. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happens is you have a character who has a goal. When they have a goal, they have a plan. So one of the elements that I... I want the writers to think about: Is what is my character's plan to reach their goal? What do they want? And then, as soon as you tell them, okay, you want to go to the disco, you put a, a bouncer who's six eight and three twenty and all muscle in the path of his goal. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the disco. I'm going to meet a girl. Um, that, you know, I'm in love with, uh, we're going to get married. We're going to live happily ever after. Well, there's a big old guy in the middle stopping me from getting in. So now that's, that becomes a structural element in my opinion. So I've gone from, you know, here's my act break. Now I've got a plan that I'm implementing Mm -hmm. and then I have an obstacle to the plan. And what happens is there's this leapfrog of events that happens. Uh, there's a character has a plan then there is a, an obstacle to that plan. Something stops them from getting what they want. So what do they do? They have to come up with a new plan. Often that includes gathering allies or training or um, doing research. So if it's a courtroom drama, you know, they may be interviewing witnesses. They may be looking, you know, researching the law. They may be uh, gathering evidence. If it's a, uh, you know, if it's a love story, they may be, you know, looking at other ways that they can get to that that love of theirs, uh, you know, getting allies to try and help them, um, you know, trying to improve themselves so that they are worthy of that particular person. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all things that they try to put together. And as you do this kind of leapfrog, you go from, you know, I've got a plan, there's an obstacle to the plan, and there's a new plan. And depending on the, the uh, genre of the piece, oftentimes you have a kind of a, A secondary plan obstacle for your opponent Hmm. there is somebody who's evil um there's you know um thanos who wants to save the universe by destroying half half of it Mm -hmm. if i get rid of half of the universe i save the rest and in a way his his intentions are good his methods are horrible Mm -hmm. so um so you know people want to stop it. So he has a plan that he's trying to implement at the same time our heroes have a plan that they're trying to implement, and in excellent screenwriting, the hero and the opponent basically have a goal that is either the same goal or that are are in opposition of each other. So for example, Thanos wants to gain all of the the stones uh, infinity stones so that he can destroy half of humanity. Mm-hmm. And 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 alien kinds the, the universe, and the Avengers want to stop him. So they have they have conflicting goals, and they each have plans of how are we going to do this. And over several films, they went from plan obstacle plan obstacle plan obstacle mm-hmm. for both of them, and that's another way that you start to build your your kind of structural elements. And you know I I I kind of. Uh, And again, this is my generalization so that you have the ability to go, okay, inspiration has come. I want to change that. I start with the structural element of the hero's plan, then the hero obstacle to the hero's plan, and then a new plan. Within that, you can also add an opponent's plan, obstacle to his plan, new plan. Hmm. Because one of the other kind of truisms in most stories is if you have an opponent the opponent should be equal to your hero. It should seem insurmountable that, you know, you can overcome this particular villain. Mm-hmm. Thanos is a great example of that. He seemed unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And almost everything that he did seemed unstoppable. And in fact, you know, in the first film, he was unstoppable. Yeah. So they had to go to a second film to have the Avengers reach their goal. Mm-hmm. And the more difficult it is, the more we become invested in the story. So if, you know, Lex Luthor isn't brilliant, um, we don't really care about Superman. Right. If Superman doesn't have a weakness, we don't care about Superman. Mm -hmm. So those are all things and elements that go into it. So though that obstacle plan obstacle, that's the structural elements that lead you to the act to break and the act to break generally comes from a different uh, several different areas it's the one area where the, the story turns again something happens and now what you the character thought they needed to do has altered a bit and they have a, a new calling a new direction they're going to go in still may have the same goal but they have a new perspective on it mm-hmm. and then things escalate the problems and the, and the, the plans they become more desperate the opponent becomes uh more aggressive, uh the events become heightened, and that leads eventually to uh the other the next major structural element to the act break uh, I'm sorry the the revelation uh that leads to the act break, the third act break. And that revelation generally is something that the character realizes that they didn't know. And they come to some understanding, they come to some decision. Um, you know, sometimes it's about uh, you know, I thought I was in love with this girl. Oh, my gosh, I'm really in love with my best friend mm-hmm. who's getting ready to get on a plane, right? Now I've got to go stop her from getting on that plane no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the typical boy meets girl love story. You know, going back to Infinity War, you know, it's there's only one way to stop this this monster. We've got to do, you know, we've got to go back in time and do this, this, and this. And then we've got this point, you know, what do we do now? And they come to this idea that that everything is kind of coming together. That that's the other thing. In comedy, we talk about it being the block comedy scene, where you know all of the elements that you've been messing with for the whole film come together, and the, and finally the the good guys and the bad guys are really facing off directly against each other, and we have the the final confrontation. Uh, you know, in the movie, uh, you know, the final Infinity Wars, it was. The Avengers facing off against Thanos and ultimately Iron Man, who gets the glove and is able to put things back, but not without a cost. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: speaking with Brian Herskowitz, author of Process to Product. You can find more information about his work at brianherskowitz.com. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. You'll also find written interviews and my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at militaryhistorypodcast.com and technologyandspace.com. And now back to the podcast.
1: So those are all elements that go into this. And the, the revelation can also be a self-revelation, um and in really good dramatic storytelling, it is a, a self-revelation. For example, again, you know, not not just picking on, on Infinity Wars, but Iron Man realizes that he's going to sacrifice himself. He has that moment that this is the only way to defeat Thanos and put the world right is to and he knows he's not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's that element of oh Okay, I know what to do. Um, you know, for James Bond, where it's an action piece and it's not really particularly introspective, where he's sitting thinking about his emotional life. Um, it's usually, I know where the bad guy is. I know where the bomb is. I know what I need to do. And there's some information, some piece of evidence, some clue that leads them to that moment that takes them in a new direction, that takes them to what is commonly called the third act in the third act, the final battle and again it can be a battle for someone's love it can be a battle that's a courtroom battle it can be a battle for um you know you name it it can be a literal battle Mm -hmm. it can be a figurative battle um you know looking back at avatar you know same same sort of thing you have a character starts off um with a problem uh we understand what world we're in we're in a universe that has uh, you know space exploration has found other other planets with alien life forms. we find out that this guy's twin brother had been a part of this program uh, an avatar program, and therefore he should be able to take over this avatar fairly easily, mm-hmm. but he's also um tripled he's a he's a purple legion. so you know that's our world that's our universe that's our character, and that's our hook starting off with a battle. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the universe of you know Avatar, where we we discover the universe, discover the world. We have him who is a reluctant hero, who gets into this new space where he is a good soldier, and eventually he's going to learn that being a good soldier isn't the way to live his life, and that revelation of, um, I would rather be a Navi than a, than a a soldier, comes to him, in the third act after he has basically betrayed them, mm-hmm. and then decided that that isn't what he wants to do that he doesn't want to be that person anymore and that revelation leads them to the battle where he goes back he jumps on the biggest uh i can't remember what they call those big bird things but he jumps on that dragon bird thing Mm. and they uh you know they they train and get ready for this huge final battle where they they are being you know attacked by the might of the american military and Fighting with you know whatever bows and arrows and sticks that they have, mm-hmm. so you know they're again going against an insurmountable odds and having a literal battle that's going to lead to the final conclusion, the the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And just prior to that, there's usually a, a little bit of a, uh, a you know a closing out scene where we understand you know what's going to happen from here mm-hmm. um, after the battle. You know we see everybody from From the military getting on their spacecrafts and and being kicked out. And we know that um, he's going to stay a Navi forever, that he's given up his body and that he's now living as one of them. Mm -hmm. So we know that that's going to go on. I have no idea what they're going to do in the sequel, but I know they just finished (laughs) it. We'll find out.
0: So, well, it's, uh, there's, what you've said has made me think about a lot of stuff. One, well, first, so an outline is not then. A scene by scene breakdown. Um, it seems more. It's about elements and sort of the changes in direction of the screenplay. Those
1: are the those are the structural elements that you want to keep in mind as you're moving through your outline. But honestly, the better outlines are are scene to scene, hmm. because you know, and you know, I don't I don't know how Quentin Tarantino does it. I don't know how he goes from, you know, jumping back and forth in time without outlining. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But, you know, if you're going to have kind of a, a, a different structure, if you want to have a story that uh, kind of flows together, whether it's like Babel or Crash or, uh, you know, one of those stories where it's multiple storylines, I don't know how you I don't know how you would go through it without knowing exactly I'm, I'm a, I, my characters here to here to here and then another character is taking over here to here to here and then I go back to this one and you can you know you can always move those pieces around that's what I was talking about where you know you get to a place in, in the outline where inspiration you go oh no this doesn't happen here this has to happen earlier go back and fix it in the outline don't try and fix it in the script and one of the reasons for that even if I write a detailed detailed outline let's say it's a Thirty-page, you know, everything, including the kitchen sink. The only thing that's not really in that outline is, you know, every line of dialogue. Um, even if it's a thirty-page outline, that's a lot easier to rewrite and to change structurally than a hundred and twenty-page screenplay. Mm-hmm. It just is. so I wanna, I wanna have an outline that I feel like, okay, I've looked at it, I, I've read the story as a whole. I know what the story is now. And I can kind of go through moment-to-moment, beat-to-beat. I can track the characters' movements or characters. I know exactly what they're thinking, what their motivation is, what their obstacles are, what they want in each scene. The You know, the other thing, Chris, that, that I try to keep in mind is that every moment is a microcosm of the whole. So when a character is, you know, facing the bouncer at the at the front of the bar Mm -hmm. and trying to get in to see the girl that he loves, you know, he still has that goal in mind. I, I need to get in there and, and, you know, woo this girl who's my dream girl. And I can't because this guy's in my way, how am I going to get into this place? But at the same time that he's thinking about that goal, I need to get to the girl. He's also thinking about the immediate goal of, I got to get past this guy. And that, that kind of works its way up and down And what I mean by that is you go from, you know, why do you choose that word? Why do you choose that sentence? Why do you choose that interchange between characters? Why do you choose that sequence? Why do you choose that scene? Why do you choose that, that action? Hmm. So all of that goes into the mix in terms of thinking about how do I get this character to move from here to here? And, and what is their motivation? Why are they doing it? Because we're, you know, people people think they do things without thinking, but they don't. <laughs> you know, there there's always something behind what you're doing. You know? Even if it's nothing. You know, I'm I don't yeah. want to do anything. There's something about
2: that.
0: Yeah. So how detailed should if you're breaking it down scene by scene, yeah. what do you think are important? And you already touched on it a little. What are the important elements within the scene breakdown for an outline?
1: Right. So you know, honestly, the outline is for the writer. Um, you know, unless you're doing it for a professional reason and, you know, a producer has said to you, I want to see an outline before I go to let you go to script, mm-hmm. either in television or in a feature. Um, it's for you. So it's really about what gives you the greatest bang for the buck in terms of your tool, mm-hmm. the outline and how it helps you write the screenplay. So if you're somebody who says, I just need a, a, a note that says um, they they argue. And then I'm going to figure out what they're arguing about later. That's fine. But again, the better outlines are the ones that I hand to you. And it's so specific, so clear, so moment to moment that you go, okay, I can write this screenplay, hand it back to you and go, oh, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Hmm. So you cannot be too detailed. There's no harm in being detailed. Um, you know, generally speaking, the, the one thing that is kind of the accepted exclusion is dialogue and mm-hmm. even that i i'm you know i don't believe in being completely anorotent about anything mm-hmm. so when when it comes to dialogue if i have a line of dialogue and i go you know what if i don't write this down in this outline i may forget where it's going to come and i may forget that line and i i think it's a great line i don't want to forget it i'm going to put that in the outline i, I don't shy away from anything like that but Traditionally, an outline is everything but dialogue. And how specific you get is really a matter of your personal taste and your personal pain threshold. Mm-hmm. The less you outline, the more freedom you have, for sure, but also the more options you have for missing the boat. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like the bulk of outlining is the middle, the second act. Like the first act and third act seem pretty much, you know, pretty standard short paths right. to the, the meat of of the film. So, and I guess that makes me wonder, why isn't the middle broken down more precisely? Because it, it, you know, it constitutes such a big bulk, should it just be right. one, one bit?
1: Well, again, for me, one of the things that, and this happens with a lot of scripts, is you've got to, you know, you know, bang up killer beginning, and you've got your idea. You know what the characters want. You know where that huge battle is going to be, and then nothing really happens in the second act. You know, the character is just kind of going along, and and you know, kind of on the on the tide floating, and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. And that's where, for me, this idea of pushing the concept of I've got a plan. There's an obstacle to the plan. I've got a new plan. There's another obstacle the opponent has a plan that is an obstacle to my plan they have a new plan and we leapfrog back and forth on that the more you do that the more specific you are with that kind of dynamic the more uh the more involving the story becomes because we we get involved with people that are having trouble succeeding you know i, I don't i don't know if you remember the the movie uh, groundhog day yeah uh, well, you know, there's all kinds of different things going on there. One of the things that happens fairly early on is he decides he wants to nail this coworker of his, the producer of his show, mm-hmm. and played by Andy McDowell. And, you know, it's not a real need. He doesn't need her. Mm-hmm. He wants, him. and he starts going through this process of doing different things. And his, his desires change, but his need is the same. And the need is established in the very beginning, which is, um, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I need to, I need to learn to be a good person. And the entire film is really predicated on that concept. So he goes through, you know, sleeping with everybody in town and, you know, learning everything about everybody in town. And then he tries to kill himself because he's tired of living. He finds he can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and why can't he do that? Why he can't do that? because he hasn't learned the lesson he mm. didn't change he didn't become a good person mm-hmm. and it isn't until really at the end of the, the the film when an old man that is uh this kind of bum on the street that he used to pass and avoid um he tries to save his life and can't do it mm-hmm. and that he suddenly gets this kind of vision that That, you know, life is important, people are important, and he starts helping everybody in town. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, the goal is no longer to get laid by Andy McDowell, (laughs) but to change. Mm -hmm. And because it's a romantic comedy, in doing that, he gets the girl. So throughout that film, each one of those scenes, each one of those segments becomes a, you know, desire, plan, obstacle. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to steal the uh, what is it? What is it? it? Looks at his own shadow. The uh, what, is, what is the little creature that? Oh, the, the, the is, uh, groundhog. The, oh, groundhog day, right? <laughs> yeah. the, the groundhog, he steals the groundhog, you know, and is going to drive off a cliff and kill himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the de- desire is to kill himself. I'm going to kill myself. What's the obstacle? He wakes up again the same place, same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. If he gets what he wants, by the way, and this is also a, another kind of common. Dynamic and storytelling if the character gets what they want they lose what they need and that's a hugely important concept mm-hmm. And it it defines for me tragedy Because a film where a character gets what they want to me is a tragedy because generally they want the wrong thing mm-hmm. and a great example of that is a movie called leave uh, uh, Leaving Las Vegas uh, yeah. Which is about a guy who wants to drink himself to death mm-hmm. And what he needs to learn is the value of love and life. Mm -hmm. And he meets this girl and, you know, starts to have a relationship with her and falls in love with her. And she, she wants to save him. She can't get what she wants. She's the, she's the obstacle to his desire, which is, I want to kill myself. Mm -hmm. But he gets what he wants. He drinks himself to death. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's tragedy. So he got what he wants, did not get what he needs. Right. So, Hmm. In most stories, that revelation that comes in the, you know, just before the third act, that self-revelation where the character goes, "Oh my gosh, I know what I want, I know what I really want, I know what I I need, I need that, what I have to do." That generally uh, is changes what their desire is, and now the desire and the need meld together, and they become one thing. And you know, it's really common in in you know romantic comedies that. They think they're after the beautiful girl or the beautiful guy, and in fact, it's the best friend. If I get what I want, I lose the best friend. best friend is really
2: what I need.
0: Do you think it's effective to outline the beginning and end first and then attack the middle, or should you go just in, in order?
1: You know, it's a little bit of dealer's choice. And my, you know, my MO, my method is I, I look at what is my beginning, middle, and end so that i because i think a lot of times what happens is we kind of touched on is you know writers have this idea of this is where i'm going to start and that's where i'm going to end and they're not real clear on how do i get to the middle and what that middle is and sometimes if you can if you can define what that high point in the middle of the script is that's going to take the character in another direction that's going to heighten the pressure on the character that's going to make the stakes higher that's going to make them work harder um, if you can identify that moment, then you've got one of these guideposts in place that allows you to move through space and time. And then for me, it's about the motivation of the characters, what they want in each moment and scene, what I can put in their path as an obstacle, what the others around them do to react to what they've done, and how that kind of dance plays out. And that gives me the rest of my guideposts. And I, uh, you know, I kind of arbitrarily pick 12 because generally a, a screenplay is 120 pages. Mm-hmm. And I know if I can take approximately 10 pages for each one of my structural elements and outline that I've got a 120 page script. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, we're coming close to time, uh, close yeah. to an hour. What else? Um, I don't have any other questions at the moment. What other, things would you like to mention as far as outlining that we haven't touched on yet
1: well you know the biggest thing is i, I there there are are probably 90 percent of the writers in the world that hate to outline that don't like it <laughs> um it is the you know it's painstaking it's difficult um it's and it's not rewarding because it's not it's not the, the document that people are going to see. It's not the, the blueprint for the film. It's just what makes it easier for you to go from, from the concept and the idea to the and the structure to the script. So one of the things I would say is try it. Try, try doing an outline. Try getting as specific as you can. Do it as an exercise. Do it as... Um, you know, as, as you would if you were doing push ups every day, you know, do it like it's something that you want to, to test to see if it really works for you. Um, no two writers are exactly the same, you know, just like no two snowflakes. They, you know, everybody's a little bit different. And you have to find your rhythms, your, um, you know, your own style. You're going to find elements that I don't have in my guidepost. You're going to find, um, kind of a signature that you have for your stories. So, but in order to do that, one of the things that I've, I learned kind of early on is that writers, um, because of the creativity of writing, a lot of times we think, oh, we don't need to be technical. We don't need to be structured. We can just let it be free form and flow. And that there's something to be said for that, you know? certainly inspiration is fantastic. But what happens is when you're a professional, if you, if you don't have that inspiration, you have to somehow get to the place where you can sit down and write a screenplay. And the outline is the greatest tool in the world for that. Because if I can outline the story, it doesn't matter whether I'm inspired by it or not. Mm -hmm. And particularly if you're a writer for hire and somebody has said, you know, I want you to write this story about two eggs and you go, I don't care about two eggs, but they're paying me a million dollars. I better, I better learn to love two eggs. Mm -hmm. You know, that gives you a way of doing it. And you start to look at and, and think about how do I get inside the story? So I would encourage every writer, no matter where you are in your career to at least once study how to outline, try it, see if it feeds you if you find that it doesn't help you that your scripts are better when you don't outline you know hey don't don't outline mm. uh, i've just like i've said you know i've I've been doing this a ridiculously long time and i've been teaching for most of that time and i uh, if if i've seen one outline that you know was like i said not good or or an act uh, a writer who said yeah my outline was really bad, but I'm going to fix it in the script. And then we're actually capable of doing that. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe two, but really no more than one.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we're talking literally thousands of writers and thousands of scripts. And the other thing is that when you outline, you really start to see where the holes of the story are. What are the problems? What are the problems in motivation? What are the problems in uh, character consistency? What are the problems in the world? You know, what, what universe did I set up and am I staying true to it? So it can be just an immensely helpful tool and it's optional, hundred percent optional. You don't have to do it. You know, you can, you can sit down and start, you know, tapping away on the keys or writing on a pad, nothing to stop you. And if you hit lightning in a bottle, you know, fantastic. You know, I I think that Charlie Kaufman is probably one of the most inventive uh, interesting writers of the modern era and his films and stories are different from any other writer on earth and he's imaginative he's creative and he you know kind of railed against the idea of having real instruction as a screenwriter when he was going to write being john malkovich he was in a class and people were going. Yeah, you know, what is this? What, what are you nuts? Guy finds a tunnel in the John Malkovich's head and uses him like a puppet. What? So and I used to think about that because I liked the film very much. I thought it's a fascinating film. And I think he's a great writer. And I used to think about that as I was teaching. And, you know, would I tell Charlie Kaufman, don't write that? And early in my career as a teacher, I would have. And I learned after listening to him, that, you know what? You cannot deny someone's creativity. You can't stop them from having inspiration. That's that's counterproductive. So I would say to the writer that has inspiration, great. Let that happen for you. If you're that kind of writer, if you're Charlie Kaufman, do it that way. But try this other way. Just try it. It can't hurt. You may learn something about the writing that you're doing, and it may give you a tool that you know, in that second, third, fourth script where inspiration doesn't come and you don't have that, you know, Tarantino-esque or, or Charlie Kaufman-esque structure and and concept, you know, maybe outlining will give you the ability to brainstorm, the ability to come up with ideas, and the ability to find the story that you want to write.
0: So here's a bit of a philosophical question about yeah. what you just said. Is an outline the best way to figure out if an idea won't work or is it the best tool to make an idea that's not working to make it work?
1: Um, you know, it's, it varies. It it has the ability to do all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you, one of the things that happens when you outline your script, if you are able to kind of step back and look at it as a story Mm -hmm. to be an audience member, um, you'll find where the problems are, you know, how is the character behaving? How did they get from here to there? Why, why are they doing that instead of this? And you start to look at it and say, Oh, I've got a hole here. I've got a problem where, where it helps is you go, okay, I'm going to plug that hole. I'm going to fix that. And then there's, you know, different methods that you have for doing that, but you fix the hole in the outline and now you can go back and move forward you can do that as you're writing the screenplay too, where you you and I've done this many times where I've written an outline. I've gone to write my script. I've gotten to a certain point in the outline and gone, Hmm, you know what? Gosh, that doesn't quite work for me the way I have it in the outline. I'm going to go a different direction. But what I try to do then is adjust the outline. And even though that's again, a pain in the ass, it's, you know, it's not fun. I have to go back and, and reread and re, you know, kind of re take it apart and put it back together. But, it allows me to find other errors, other problems that might have happened because it's dominoes you know every time you change something in a screenplay at the beginning, it changes something uh, down the road it has to hmm. It changes the character, it changes the structure it ta- changes the world it has an effect, and if you don't think it does, think again, it will change your story so you have to you have to be cognizant of that you don't have
2: to
1: you don't have to do it you don't have to change the outline, but you have to be cognizant that if I change. moment in the screenplay and i'm following an outline that outline may not may no longer work for you so it allows you to do several things it allows you to fix problems identify problems but it also allows you to really free yourself up for dialogue for inspiration in my opinion Mm -hmm. um and to and to allow for creativity to flow through you because you're not worrying now about gosh where do they go what happens you have it down you look at it and say okay they go from a to z and i know that's how they get there. And I know he goes from here to here. And then then you can play with, you know, well, within that scene or within those that sequence, how, how do I want him to go through that world? What do I want him to do? I know he's going to go from, you know, the bathhouse um, to the main house. And I know that on the way he's going to fall in a hole. You know, okay, so what happens between there and there? There's plenty of places to play. But you want to be able to be as specific as you can as clear as you can. And the the more you do that, I think the more freeing it can be. And again, I think that's a little bit different from kind of locking yourself into, I did something on page three, page seven, page nine, but you know, that's a little too restrictive in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you so, like to, when you complete an outline, do you like to have other sets of eyes review it to give you feedback?
2: No. <laughs> hmm.
1: Uh, generally no I mean generally for me at this point uh, unless I was working you know for a, a studio or a network where it was something that I needed to hand in mm-hmm. generally that's it's for me mm-hmm. and it's as clear and specific as I need it to be so that I know how to go from A to Z mm-hmm. and I don't really care what other people <laughs> what other people have to say about the outline. now does that mean that you can't give it to other people of course you can mm-hmm. but you know being a writer you have to be a little bit careful of who you're who you're sharing your material with not not for any kind of theft reason or or you know copyright reason but because you want to make sure that the person who is going to be speaking to you has your not only has your back but understands how to talk to a writer hmm. and you know in my book i mention this you don't necessarily want to give your material to a loved one hmm. and the biggest reason for that <laughs> is you want love from a loved one. You don't really want um, criticism. <laughs> right. You know, you yeah. don't want people to say, oh, you know, that sucks. I don't know what you're doing. I hate it. You know, you want to, you want them to tell, tell you you're the best thing, you know, since sliced bread. That's what you want to hear. And it, it, it's not a comfortable thing to give it to someone and have them tell you it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, not that kind of person. So you want to find somebody who is a neutral party but who is either a writer or at least understands how to speak to writers, a producer. Mm. Uh, it, could be, it could be a director, it could be an actor, it could be another writer. Mm. But you want to have somebody who understands your language and can speak to you in the same terms that you understand your story. Mm. Because one thing that's not helpful, and I've had this happen many times over the years, where a producer says, I love working with young writers. Uh, give me your script and I'll give you my thoughts. And then you give it to them and they say, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's, well, that didn't help me. Right. How does that help me? Don't tell me you didn't like it. Tell me what I did wrong. Tell me how to fix it. Tell me what you thought, mm-hmm. why you didn't like it. What, what were the elements, you know, just handing it to people and have them go eh, didn't like it. Doesn't, doesn't do you any good. So you have to have somebody that you trust who is going to give you not just an opinion of good or bad, but a critique. How do I, you know, what are the problems? What do they think would help fix it? And the other thing is and and we'll talk more about this. This is also in the book. But mm-hmm. you you don't want to take the first note necessarily. If you give it to one person, they say, "Why? Well, I, I don't think they should be funny at all. I think they should be dead serious." And then, you know, don't make that change unless you a wholeheartedly agree, or b you've given it to other people and they they also come back with the same note. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion on that. But in terms of giving the outline, that's you know again dealer's choice. I don't generally um mm-hmm. that's a document that i put together for me to help me move through the story
0: cool so what's the uh, next section that follows this as far as screenplay writing
1: uh let's see well let me take a look at my my book here mm-hmm. um chapter four is i think it's really talking more about character development mm-hmm. and okay. yeah chapter four is character development so you know and again one of the things that's fascinating to me is you know it is not formulaic you you can't say you know you go from here to here to here every time otherwise everybody would write the exact same story yeah. so character development is a crucial element to screenwriting and it can come at a different point
2: hmm.
1: you might do the character development well before you get into your outline you okay. know but it's but it is a an a step that cannot be uh, given short truth, you really want to know your character. And that's the, that's what we'll talk about next.
0: Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about outlining. My pleasure. Appreciate it. I so I
1: hope, I hope people get it.
0: Oh, yeah. Me too. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd, please subscribe and rate it if you can. If you want more fiction and fiction studies ranging from ancient mythology to modern day sci fi fantasy and horror, Please sign up for my weekly newsletter at fullcontactnerd.com or chrisalvarez.com to keep up with my latest posts. On my webpage, you'll also find written interviews and links to my social media accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also discuss art, acting, comic books, gaming, and much more. Thanks again, and keep imagining the past, the present, and the future.